Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 41. In this episode, my friends and I talk about depression, anxiety, a few tips for handling them, as well as how to address this when you see it in your friends trying to reach out and be helpful. So if that sounds interesting to you, go ahead and give it a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys. Hey. Welcome. How's it going? Feels yeah. darker in here than normal. Mm, because of what we're about the to The tone. Talk about. We're trying to set the mood. <gasps> I have repositioned the lantern so that the point. podcast audience is not distracted. Uh, how's everybody doing? Uh, Should we be feeling bad for this topic? That's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, I, I was trying, really to, weird I was trying to, to get say. everybody really sad. Before name one thing you're depressed about. Let's do Ooh. that. Oh man, I'm I might have to go last. I know this is why it's really weird because I'm <clears> like, <throat> why is Travis, who's fairly optimistic, wanting to talk about depression? Well, I've talked about abortion and <laughs> I mean, yes, but it's not the same. Okay, I mean, I I talk about things other than like my own experience or whatever. I mean, there there are things, but okay, I'll go last. Who who wants to start? Why don't you go first and show us that you really did? <laughs> well, let's start from Eric since it's your yeah, dumb question. Say, and I go was stalling. I was stalling. Uh, okay, what am I depressed about? Okay, it was easy. Uh, single. I'm still single. Single. Yeah. Oh, that's why I can't get a girlfriend. It's because I can't even pronounce it. Uh, yeah. Mm. I. I uh, I'd like to have a girl to bother mm. permanently. <laughs> a wife. One that can't get away. Oh yeah, a wife. Yeah, one that. Yeah. Well, you know. Old ball and chain, that's why they call them that. They usually say that about the guy, though, right? Yeah, because you put a ball and chain on their ankle so they can't get away. On, on, the, the guy has the ball and chain, right? That's the tough. wife is, is the, the ball, ball and chain. chain. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. And you don't want to get away, so that, well, that no. works. So I put the ball and chain What are they getting away from, though? The guy? Like, no, the, yeah. it's the it's so the guy never can get away. Like, he can never get out of the house. He can never go see his bros. He can never go uh, drinking. He can never... But if you know. he has a wife, why, why would he want to get away? My right up here, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Well, Southwest would like to have a conversation with you. Ooh, because that's their whole look. Want to get away? Airline? Oh, okay. That's what I thought too. The airline. That's what I mean. The airline. Really? I thought what about you the airline? meant. I thought you meant that the 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 tagline for Southwest all about getting away. was ditch the old ball and chain <laughs> for the weekend. <laughs> You see, if you were watching TV instead of listening to the radio, uh-huh, you'd fun. know <laughs> their tagline. Anyways, that's my depression. Uh, before I say mine, I just wanted to add to what you were saying, the ball and chain thing. I think at someone's wedding, I saw a video where they had the woman pulling around uh, her husband in a little like trolley thing with a ball and chain on as part oh, wow. of like the whole thing that they were doing for their ceremony. It's like, why? Why would... That, that that's guy, just weird to me. Yeah, that guy's whipped. <laughs> well, hmm. I mean, he wanted to be. They just got married. <clears throat> yeah. um, but anyways, something... Not a Sigma male. I'm just kidding. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what is that? It's a Greek letter, so I'm guessing it's not an alpha male. Like I you're further feel like down you the, would know what that means. You're oh, further sigma, down the alphabet. stigma. No, not stigma. Okay. A Sigma male, you haven't heard this? So you I, have I alpha have. male, which is all like, I'm strong and manly, and the Sigma male is like one who's like, really thoughtful and, and like defeats his enemies or solves problems with his mind instead of just brute force oh yeah it sounds like an alpha like male thing that came no alpha male is more like 
the domineering. Traditional masculinity. Yeah, traditional masculinity. Yeah. This is like, so... You know, I heard recently that the whole alpha beta like experiment and the guy that created it was like completely rejected all of the material and said it was bunk. I wouldn't be surprised. I the, feel like it's kind of like the wolves that he based it on. He came back and was like, "So I was watching them more, and they weren't doing things that I thought they were doing." Yeah, well, yeah, but you would say there's definitely in wolf. Yeah, it's, it's society alpha. Well, it was just an interesting thing where he's like, "Oh, so the experiment." concluded something different than what he had I think it's one of those things where it doesn't matter if it's true it resonates you know like the idea of so then to me I'm like okay a beta male but like beta is still way higher up than (laughs) sigma (laughs) is there such thing as an omega male Uh, omega man Man. with Charlton Heston yeah that's the runt no but if like I would say like Gaston is an alpha male yeah man okay but he's kind of an idiot whereas dude he's not an idiot yeah, he is. He's the villain of the movie. He's not a bad guy. How? He's not? He wants to rescue a girl from a monster. This is the podcast that's keeping now. her <laughs> captive in a castle. Yeah, but before, no, okay, before I, I the will monster, say this. was he a good there, guy? There's, he's not a good no. guy, but he's not a villain. He's ugly on the inside. There's one, scene, <laughs> there's one scene that makes him a villain, and that's the one <clears throat> where he's in the tavern with that, uh, with the guy who runs the insane asylum, trying to convince that guy that Bell's dad is insane yeah. so that he can take him. Like, if that scene weren't in the movie, he would be like uh, an understandably misled brute. Like, but who really is? I mean, he's selfish, but he also is trying to kill a monster that has a girl hostage. It is an interesting yeah. thing that they. It's have... a trans monster. What? He wasn't born a monster. Yeah, he was born a female. <laughs> <laughs> It's a okay. trans monster. Uh, That's a really weird way of looking at it. <laughs> anyway, Gaston's an alpha male. Uh, would we say that light is a sigma male? Oh, you know, I was saying I would say what what's been used as a as a sigma male, but I'm like you you might disagree <clears throat> is like Batman. No, Batman's just an alpha male. I know you. Would so say you're, okay, a... so alpha. You're only alpha if you are like boisterous and like braggadocious and and like really over the top flaunting your. Well, so you, a sigma you, male is more like confident, but like quiet. Yeah. Okay. But even so, one aspect of Batman that's very prevalent in his life is his depression. So moving Ooh. back to what we were talking about. And can about, I just say I don't believe in any of that crap. That's right. Alpha about. beta sigma. Oh, they're talking about, about depression. Gender. No, I don't believe in depression. <laughs> Depression's not real. Monster you know, <laughs> just drink more water. <laughs> uh, okay, Sam. Sam. Uh, I, I was thinking about, like, what would have made me depressed most recently. Because there's things that, like, I'm not, like, Lingering. happy about. But, yeah, but, like, something that was actually, I would actually consider something that depressed me. I guess <clears throat> I guess most recently is just um, something that I've dealt with for a long time that just kind of flared up in my own mind about myself was, was um, uh, j- just about, like, I have low self-esteem and so like someone uh commented about my looks and it it was a positive thing like they were giving me a compliment and i and it was just weird to me and i i kind of like uh i don't know i didn't know how to take the compliment and i felt Mm. really weird about it do you mind if i ask what they said or no it was just a compliment about like my beard which is something that other people have told me to get rid of and and it was a woman that was that was pretty um and so you're gonna get more in your head in that sense because you're mm. gonna care more about what she thinks mm. i guess yeah but like well yeah but that's what's weird about it is that like a lot of times uh women that i know will be like 
<clears throat> oh, you'd look so much better if you did this. Well, guys, too, would say stuff like that. And it's like, I don't want to look any certain way for someone else. I want to look the way I want to look. But like, if I were to if I were to end up with a girl and, and she said, you know, I like when you look this way more, then I would obviously take that into consideration. But if mm -hmm. it's just like generally everyone has their opinion about how I look, what does that really matter to me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But so it was just surprising to me when she even said that she liked it because I usually don't get that compliment from women. It's usually, if anyone, it's, it's from guys. But so when she said that, I was just kind of surprised. It took me off guard. And then it just made me go down this weird spiral in my mind, like downward spiral of just thinking mm -hmm. about all these negative things about myself. And I got really depressed from it. That was the, the latest thing that happened. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that, that's a weird thing I've dealt with for a long time. And that just was the most recent time that it came back up. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I think for me, what, <clears throat> tends, what tends to push me in that direction is I'm very conscientious of my own shortcomings and faults and weaknesses. And so those can get really center staged in my brain. I think the most like more recent ones is, you know, uh, going to seminary for a long time and wanting to go and get into a church ministry and then going through an internship where the, the God didn't close the door like 100%, but just was like for the time being, not yet. And it was really, really tough for me of being like, I went through all these same classes as everybody else. I did the same internship program. I gave 110%. I was at more meetings than anyone else. <clears throat> What did I do? What what special thing is missing from me? That what special something do I not have that everyone else around, everyone in my graduating class and the other classes, has gone on to either uh, pastor a church or be revitalizing a church or really a church. everyone uh, in the the because the intern class I was in was there was me and uh, <coughs> three other people. All three of those other people have gone on to uh, are all lead pastors at churches hmm. and then the next class after i believe uh one of my friends is now uh pastor at a church and was the interim pastor at a church i was trying to like <clears throat> preach a lot at so it's one of those things where it's like oh uh, so it's not like every, every single person i've ever met has gone on to do it hmm. but just all the people that were around me in the same programs and then a lot of my friends from all the seminaries i went to are over like plant uh one planted a church in Montana, and there's like you know, all scattered around pastoring, and so it's one of those things for me where it's like, man, did I like do something like super wrong, or is there just some character quality that faulted me, or why am I not um, able to do that? And that just took some soul searching, mostly mm -hmm. like, what am I gifted at? What would I be good at? Because I think if I did go out and just like, hey, here's some money, go plant a church, I don't think I would do well or thrive in that. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a, uh, oh, someone's robbing this from me, but more of just the well, let's take a take another step back because maybe what God has for me is different than what I might envision it as. So I think that's that's where I get like most hard on myself for mm. uh, is those those kind of things, like any kind of shortcomings or any time where I'm like uh, I have a vision in my head of like where I should be with conquering um, weaknesses or sins and then I'm down underneath it and then mm. that kind of depresses me a lot of like I want to be a lot more strong in those areas that mm. I am. Well, for what it's worth, I think you're doing your part to revitalize the church that you're in and to, you know, be in it and serve and 
Uh, Are we allowed to cry in this room? Is it, is oh, it... it is mandatory today. <laughs> that was like... Mm. Yeah. Thanks. Uh... What are you depressed about? <laughs> <laughs> get, get this spotlight off. <laughs> uh, well, since we started, I drank <laughs> Did you, was 28 fluid ounces of eggnog. And uh, now it's gone. It's so, oh my it's so easy gosh. to do. It's, it's so easy. 11 minutes have gone minutes. <laughs> oh. And I've been done for a couple minutes. So. Um, You're lucky this isn't swelteringly hot. Yeah. Oh, I would not have Have like it. an Anchorman moment of milk was a bad choice. There actually are some things. And I pr- particularly, I don't like necessarily using the word depressed. Um, when I mean sad, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do mm-hmm. believe that depression is, is real and, and especially like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, because I deal with teens so much, I think that a lot of times they'll say I'm struggling with depression and then they'll say like something difficult going on in their life. And it's like, I, I'm not like, well, what you you don't, don't want to use the word depression. You want it's not like I'm there to academically mm-hmm. coach them through it, but I really do think it would be better for them if they didn't think of themselves as categorically I am a depressed person mm-hmm. because my parents' marriage is on the rocks or because I'm, you know, not getting as good of grades as I got last year or whatever. It's like, you know, you're um you you're upset by that and mm-hmm. saddened and, and disheartened by that. But I think that depression is a lot of times a lot more um what's the word like pervasive or um mm-hmm. what's what's the word i'm trying to think of persistent persistent yeah mm-hmm. um and there's other symptoms that come along with it as well yeah exactly yeah. um <clears throat> so i I'd, I'd say that the kind of underlying uh melancholy that's really bothering my me right now is i'm noticing things both at my school and at the church um, like the ministry that I'm in at the church where it's like they're, um, I'll have kids that I've taught for a long time or been their youth leader for a long time. And then I'll just see some of the things that they're still thinking or saying or doing or, or whatever. And it's like, man, I, I really would have hoped that you would have come further than that. And it's like, I get, I get disappointed. And then I, I think like, what have I not done? Like, what, what have I, you know, how could I have done better and like been mm-hmm. more communicative or been more present or been more, you know, just whatever it is. And, you know, then it's not like I'm trying to make their problems about me and, you know, internalize it. But that is something that just, I feel like within the last few weeks, I've started to get really bothered by that. Like just mm-hmm. kids, um, I, I've said this before, but like, I I just want to grab him by the shoulders and be like, has Christ not died? Like, has Christ not been ri- been raised from the dead? Like, it, is that not a reality? Is that not like something that should contextualize the way that you live? And, and instead I see you just like, you know, talking like this and, 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 th- and then it's like, okay, but I have to think of myself at that age. And I was, I would have needed to have done the same thing to me. Like, if adult me could get my hands on teenage me, I'd have some really rough words to say to that guy. Um, And I think especially the type of person I am, I think it would have been right for me to just say those words, whereas I hold back with some of the kids and some of them are more sensitive or whatever. But, um, yeah, that's that's been something that's really been bugging me is uh, 
just not feeling like I'm making the difference that I should be. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing with the kinds of uh, the kind of work that you do. You are involved with a large amount of people. That a little you're not... bit. Yeah. What's that? A little bit. For a little bit, yeah. yeah. But but um, <clears throat> beyond that, it's like you're in a position where uh, there's more pressure on you because you are supposed to be teaching them mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just like a, a different job where like you just can converse with them. It's like they're actually mm -hmm. looking to you for things. But then yeah. beyond that, you're also swapping out who's in there um, yeah. as mm -hmm. well. And so it's yeah. like you're dealing with so many more people. So even if you're making a fantastic influence, uh, you know, you're being a fantastic influence on the majority of the kids, you're going to, I think that's going to affect you more because you're, you're seeing so many more kids come through. So even if you affected the kids that yeah. have come that, and gone. That's the thing is like, you know, you have a kid that, oh, you see such remarkable progress and then they graduate and they leave and then they're replaced by the same snot year snot yeah. snot nosed uh like sixth grade right uh kid year year after year <clears throat> and but I mean to to me specifically the people that I'm thinking of are people that I've had for a long time mm. and they're still in and they're still mm -hmm. uh you know still struggling with some of those mm. sorts of things um but yeah I mean I I think maybe kind of this such is life mm -hmm. um and that's kind of the nature of ministry as well so well i was gonna ask does it does it not help you at all to think of this uh like from the christian perspective that you come from with a more calvinistic type of understanding of scripture where it's like ultimately you're not in charge of you know people's hearts <clears throat> being changed yeah. towards christ and things like that does that not help you in this situation with all these kids it does and i i, I wrestle differently than i would if i was like Oh, you know, uh, it's my fault that they didn't, you know, become, you know, just whatever that, that it's, that it's all kind of on me. Like, I, man, I, I remember a teacher at school where I work saying like, if a kid goes through my class, like has me as a teacher for a year <clears throat> and by the end of that year, they don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and savior, I have failed. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, man, just what, what a what a burden to, mm -hmm. to place on yourself that like Christ never asks you to carry. Um, so it, it makes me wrestle differently, but it's like, you know, if, if I'm a, imagine that you're like a, a Calvinist um, architect and you build this building and then like, you know, you get two thirds of the way done. It's like your life's passion and you've put all this work into it and it's artistically just informed by all these other architects that you've studied. And then two thirds of the way through, like the project gets defunded or there's an earthquake or something. And it's like, I mean, I'm a Calvinist, so I know this is for my good and mm -hmm. God's going to be glorified mm -hmm. in all of it. But boy, I'm sure sad right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I would put that. Sounds so. like that church in Barcelona that's still not finished. Mm -hmm. mm. Wait, what is the what is that? Agria Familia. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's been being mm. built for like what two hundred years. It's at been least? a while. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> two hundred years. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just being built by uh, donations, I believe, oh. and so it's mm -hmm. just never mm. been finished yet. Yeah. Mm. How long did it take to total sidetrack? But like, how long did it take to build some of the like? 
the um, Notre Dame in Paris. That was a or... very long time. It was hundreds of years. <clears throat> it was? Okay. It was a very long time. Because I'm like, man, how weird to... Like, when you're a baby, that thing is, like, a third of the way finished, and then you die, and it's two-thirds finished. <laughs> yeah. Like, you've just seen this beast mm-hmm. occupying the center of your city. Well, when you, and when you see those things, you understand why it takes so long. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's much quicker to just burn it down. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, there okay, was some so... Was watching... Is that too soon? No, I just... <laughs> I think that's... Well, a lot of it's still standing. To your depression, Sam. The rose window is still standing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There was something I was watching about, like, when they were building one of the temples uh, in ancient Greece, and they were talking about how, like, one, it would take, like, one stone carver just to carve the stone for a column. One column, it would take him about 50 years. And he was, like, emphasizing, like, one stone carver took him 50 years to make one column of this giant, um, like, hundreds of columns temple to a god to get a one uh, half phrase from an oracle that was confusingly vague. And his turnaround was <laughs> and you sit with the entire council of divine scripture and you can't be bothered to walk five minutes to read it. Dang. One column. Like, not to like delay the guilt trip it's like, this is how desperate they were to yeah. hear from God. Yeah. And it's it's not like delay the guilt trip it's more of like, how do we take the word of God <clears> granted? <throat> Granted, granted, granted. granted. <laughs> that was. That I think they were marble. Pun. I think they were marble actually, but. <laughs> oh. Anyway. <Granted>. Yeah. <laughs> well, the podcast is not getting any better than that pun, so we'll just end it. Yeah. But what happens? Well, we're laying a firm like... foundation. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's it hasn't it's been written in stone yet. Uh, jeez. Oh. You can see yourself out. <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah, now that we're all thinking about the things that have us individually depressed. Mm. I think the mood is set, and uh, yeah, let's 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 dive in. What's depression? Oh, what is depression? Well, yeah, I was yeah. gonna ask that question too. If someone else didn't bring it up, but well, yeah, because you made a good point of saying something about like differentiation between yeah. sad and depressed, and mm-hmm. I was actually trying to say that as well because, like I said, there's things that make have made me mm-hmm. sad recently, yeah. but mm-hmm. like what I mentioned was what I actually felt was something that dealt with depression. Because um, it's something, I think it's, uh, to say that something, to call something depression, I think it's something that has to be very prevalent and Mm -hmm. ongoing. And um, uh, you you had mentioned, like, uh, there's more things than just being sad when it's depression. Like, you you are physically affected Mm -hmm. uh, many times Mm -hmm. with it. Like, some people, it's so bad they can't even, like, really get out of bed and do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, they're just, you know, sapped of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's symptoms around it versus uh, the the emotion sad. Mm-hmm. Depression is has symptoms around it like um, apathy or lack of energy, like actual energy, not just like oh I feel tired. But even that's like a lot of uh, a lot of depression can manifest that you're like sleeping twelve mm-hmm. hours a day because um, from the weight of it. Um, so there are I don't know all of the symptoms i feel like I've, it's been a long time since i read like the dsm on it mm. um but there are they're like it, like especially with clinical depression because i mean there there's a oh, i think there's also a range within depression of like clinical severe versus um kind of like smaller symptoms but it, it is something that you can level medically di- one depression yeah that you can medically diagnose mm. um, <clears throat> because you're looking at well you have this you have this symptom you have this symptom um, and it doesn't all have to be like physiological. It can also be like how you're emotionally processing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, versus sad or disappointed mm. is an emotional state that hits you. Yeah. 
Um, and I think the I think the main difference I would see is uh, length as well for mm-hmm. me is like when you're talking about a student who you know oh mm-hmm. I'm de- I'm depressed because I got a bad grade and then you know you they go out for McDonald's that night and get a McFlurry and they're like oh, I'm happy again mm-hmm. like, depression doesn't spring back mm-hmm. and forth like it's a, it kind of is a state that you kind of enter in mm-hmm. um, not that you can ever feel happy but like when you completely forget <clears throat> about what's bothering you and you're perfectly fine again that's yeah. where it was like well that was sad i well I I agree there might be like a a time like metric that you can use to help identify. I think in the <coughs> DSM-5, mm-hmm. which I think is the version they're using now, mm-hmm. um it's 2 weeks. <clears throat> and like if you're if you're feeling <clears throat> depressed, if you're feeling, you know, melancholy for like a, just a general sense of melancholy for more than 2 weeks, then um you know that's when they would start calling you mm-hmm. depressed. And I think that actually a more important factor is being able to tie your feelings to external realities. Um, and it's like, you know, if, if you're a kid whose parents constantly fight, like every time you go home, they're yelling and they're throwing dishes and everything. And that lasts for two weeks. It's like, I don't think that that kid is <clears throat> depressed so much as I think that he's affected by his his parents relationship like um i heard a guy put it like this um like ptsd he said we totally misuse the the um term ptsd and we say like oh like you know a a guy came home from war and he held his uh you know friend in his arm while he bled out from a bullet wound you must have a disorder like Mm -hmm. you've 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 uh you know we call it Mm post-traumatic stress disorder it's like that's not a disorder that's an appropriate response to having dealt with trauma like the trauma is real but to call that a disorder or to say that like you know a woman who has had a miscarriage is like oh it's a disorder that you've you know it's been two weeks you know it's kind of a disorder that you're not um kind of back to baseline by now it's like no i i really have many major problems with how it's clinically dealt with mm-hmm. um so to me it's like you know if, if it's your parents fighting or if it's you know, you can generally tie your bad feelings to specific things, like specific externalities, then that's different than, like, my parents' relationship is great, and, like, we're not financially struggling, and I do, like, I, I get decent grades, and I, you know, I'm talking about a kid, um, I get decent grades, and, and I just still feel this general sense of, like, gloom all the time, and I don't know what to do about that. Mm. And that, that's when I would be like, okay, this person is you know, dealing with depression. That That's interesting <clears throat> because, like, something I've always been curious about is, like, clinical depression, something that's actually been diagnosed, mm-hmm. and what that looks like as opposed to someone else who could say legitimately that they've been depressed or mm-hmm. are depressed. And um, I feel like you kind of just touched on that there because I, I don't think I would automatically say that someone who's not dealing with a stressful situation couldn't say that they're depressed as opposed to like i would think that the the last scenario mm-hmm. you brought up of like the kid who's in a decent situation yeah, but still home. feeling terrible yeah that sounds <clears throat> and i could be totally off because i like i said i'm not positive on the differentiation but that sounds like clinical depression to yeah. me mm-hmm. yeah um as opposed to someone who's does deal with certain things and that makes them depressed. Mm. Um, 
what would you say because i realize there's another thing that we're um we need to clarify because we've said like here's the difference between depression and sad Mm -hmm. and then what would you say how would you uh differentiate between clinical depression and then whatever else you might call depression because when i say depression i'm always referring to something that has clinical factors in it um but it's it is that kind of general pervasive sense of gloom um yeah so when you say clinical depression then you say other depression um just right now in the conversation that's not a distinction that i'm really making in my mind mm-hmm. so like unpack that for me i guess or like what are your thoughts on that well like i said i'm not i'm not uh privy to all the specifics when it comes to that sort of stuff yeah but just, just like you know in your in your mind when yeah, you think what, through this just what i what i would assume to be clinical depression is is like regardless of circumstance there there yeah there is this i mean maybe maybe you'd call it dread or maybe just like this kind of like pit in your stomach of of a constant something else is there Mm -hmm. that's not supposed to be Mm. that that is always causing Mm. you um mental harm regardless regardless of what else is going on in your life um is there like a you said something's there that's not supposed to be like is there a anything you could put to maybe label that or just kind of contextualize what you mean by that or well well because i've never been diagnosed with clinical depression i don't know if i could really even speak to that no that's that's okay i was just curious um yeah what are you i'm sorry (laughs) you spaced out no i didn't space out i'm trying to figure out what's the distinction for me i just think that if it's for how I understood it was clinical to just or we're just talking like depression is just general clinical is more specific in that it's uh, like there needs to be it's it's, it's severity mm-hmm. of the depression so there needs to be an intervention yeah. a medical that's intervention the, a treatment yeah. that's the way I would tend to think of it and I'm not an expert in these by any means but I would think of it in that's just of, like a huge blanket yeah. none of us are experts do not yeah. do not come here for a diagnosis um <laughs> But the way I would think of it is, is in terms of severity, because usually with like with anything with clinical um, psychology or like the DSM is they even the DSM talks about that at least the DSM is a book that like diagnostics and statistics, statistics manual, manual for yeah. Um, hmm. disorders and all. Yeah. And the way that I think they talk about it in general is any of these things, um, if they interfere with your life to a certain extent, then you and you need help to getting over them. That's mm. where it starts getting clinical of. If the depression is so bad, you stop eating, mm-hmm. or you stop going to, you know, if it interferes with work, relationships, mm-hmm. or like health, mm-hmm. and that's and that's not just depression. That's how they'll kind of label anything. <clears throat> so for me, with dealing with anxiety and um, social phobia, it was, is this is this to where you know you just get a little bit of butterflies? Like the range would go, is it butter- butterflies in stomach where you're dealing with people because you're just nervous around them, or are you so nervous that you can't leave the house and you can't get a job? which is interfering with mm-hmm. your um, ability to be, live a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like it's disorder. It's, it's not your, your life is not ordered the way it should be. That's the way that I would understand it as far as clinical of there's a depression where I'm struggling, you know, I'm having like, I think of Spurgeon and his struggle with depression. He's like struggling with it, but you know, he was still pushing out sermons. He's still mm-hmm. relying and growing in Christ <clears throat> versus someone who's, you know, 
really struggling to get out of bed, really struggling to be motivated to go to work. Um, that's where it gets into the, to me, the more of the disorder clinical. Hmm. So it's just a question of degrees. That's the way I would understand it. Would you think it would only be like severity or do you think it would also be, um, length as well? Like length of time that the person's depressed? Yeah. Well, and not even, yeah. And that's not just length of time, but, um, yards. (laughs) <laughs> meters well well like not simply like a i don't even know mm-hmm. how to how to phrase this maybe i won't even try <laughs> but but yeah do, do you think it would not simply be severity but like because again when <clears throat> i when i think of it it wouldn't just be severity it would mm-hmm. be it would be a constant thing mm-hmm. or or at least more often it would um like like you stay feeling horrible longer if it was clinical, mm. it's something I've always like longer of. episodes. Mm. Yes. you're saying okay, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. duration. Okay, maybe yeah, what you might yeah. Say. yeah, yes, yeah. I think that would definitely be, be part of it because I think like the longer you're going to stay in that state, the more it's going to interfere, most likely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and I think if if anything in your life is getting to be a longer and longer pattern, that should be something yeah. you should start taking a look at. Yeah, yeah. Um, if something's getting worse over time, mm-hmm. um. I'm not like not in a, like a judgmental like bad or good. Just being like, let let me pay attention to that. Why is that increasing? Yeah, because it could be anything. It could be anything. It could be good. It could be like, oh, I'm you know, starting to develop a really good habit of exercise. I'm like, like why is that increasing? Because mm. um, I think I think self awareness is a is a huge gift mm. to just be like to know why I'm doing what I'm <clears> doing <throat> and what's motivating me to do what I'm doing instead of so when I first like uh, I was around. Uh, last year of high school when I was developing like strong symptoms of uh, anxiety that I was having to go through the first key was like well what you know and asked like what is it why is it happening it's like I don't know I have no clue what it is it's just coming upon me and I don't know why I don't know why any of this I didn't even name it as anxiety I'm like I don't even know what it is mm. I'm just these weird things are happening and awareness was such a huge key of this is what this is this is why these are the times that it mm. happens this is the triggers that it happens yeah yeah, knowing the triggers yeah. is is huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. do, uh, do you think that anxiety is always connected to depression? I think anxiety brings with it depression. Okay, so you sense. think it's that way? You <clears throat> think like it's two it? sides of the same coin, or what do you mean? They're just they're they're uh, just close buddies. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's always one one? No, one way into the other, or no, it can go either no, way. No, I just, I just think that anxiety can lead to a circumstance where depression can uh, arise or foster mm, right. because you're lacking certain things that help stave off depression, like mm, time with yeah. community, time with friends, time with family, even like, like some some scientific studies have been like just looking at a smiling face can lower cortisol levels and lower depression mm. rates. Mm. So when you're not seeing that and you're not around people, um, which because anxiety, especially like the, the social phobia of anxiety, not just like, oh, I have panic attacks or I get worried, like the, the stuff that's like I'm stressed out or terrified of going into new, new social circumstances mm-hmm. and you pull back and you're alone all the time. Uh, it's 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 causing those things that would help you otherwise. Mm-hmm. You now don't have those. You don't have those helps. You just brought up something very interesting because, and very prevalent for what 
been going on in the world recently because you mentioned smiling and being mm, in social situations yeah. which is something that for about two years or at least a year mm, and a half people yeah. have been dealing with a lot of Isolation, lack of that yeah. yeah and even if you do go out you're not seeing people's faces most of the time yeah um so and it's having an effect like all the um the psychologists that i listen to or talk uh, or uh have known like they're talking about like this is going to have a negative effect and mm. we knew it would like mm -hmm. when we did this it was like a, okay we're gonna have to deal with this we knew it would have an effect um like you just think about like how many so this last year maybe even this is the last six months the faa has had more incidents reports than like the last couple of years are combined people freaking out on flights and getting aggressive and angry mm. like that didn't just happen all of a sudden like, people aren't all of a sudden and it's not and i don't think it's just because they're irritated by wearing masks i think there's something more well like, it, and it, there's there's an effect not it, i'm not thinking like apocalyptic i'm just thinking cause and effect like right it happens it, it, it's gonna cause something well di didn't suicide rates jump as mm -hmm. well i think so yeah i what i've seen is a huge contributor to that is just the idea of control and mm -hmm. I people don't feel like they're in control of their lives and it's like um so so for example I know people that um and it's not I don't think it's going to be who you might think I'm talking about um but uh that they did like some Airbnb stuff and then with COVID travel shut down they stopped mm -hmm. making money and it's like oh my goodness all of a sudden like here's this thing I'm not in control of anymore like my I made all the right decisions and then the world stopped turning and now like I'm, I'm sunk. And so I feel like a lot of people who are in those types of boats where like their job situation, they, they lost control of their, their income or their financial stability. It was like, it's almost like they craved something to feel like they were in control of. And for a lot of them, it was masks. It was like, you're not going to tell me whether I have to, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to make my own. And it's like, or like, you know, stocking up on toilet paper early on. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, that was hey, Impulsive. hey, Impulsive. see, I am in control of my life and no one can can uh, can take my autonomy yeah. away from me. And it's like they're saying that to convince themselves because they've seen that their autonomy has largely been taken away from them. And so. I think it hit. I think it might. And I, don't, I can't say say this at all. So I probably shouldn't because I don't yeah, know. What, do I don't know what other nations were like, but I feel like it hit us really hard because Americans aren't used to being fed you're not in control of your life. Mm, that's um, true. We, we like to sit in judgment of other, other places. How much where they easier aren't. would it be to live in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> well, like for, for me, it's like, it's like, we don't, we don't like to think about that. Like, you're already used to that. What happens when you live in a, live in a place where, like you don't have a lot of opportunity yeah. or mobility or, you know, I should have said China. China uh, would have been the, or the drastic, well, I mean, or like the drastic storms that come up, hit you first before, mm, before they yeah. lessen and then hit us. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's just something we we haven't been hit with a lot of, of by the way you're not in control the control is an illusion mm. which i think is a helpful lesson for anyone uh, like going through anxiety and depression it sounds like counterintuitive but that's a really helpful thing being like mm. hey you're not in control of your own world well yeah and jesus saying like don't be anxious and then what what does he back that up with look at the sparrows mm -hmm. like are they out there like stressing out about their 401ks and and it's like, no, your heavenly father, like you're worth mm -hmm. so much more to him than these sparrows, but he takes care of them. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, which uh, translation mentions uh, 401k? Uh, I think it's the message, the mm -hmm. remix, <laughs> but you got to get the one with the oh, pink yeah. cover. Because the, well, the ESV only talked about Roth IRAs. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, well, because uh, when you said that, I was like, 
if I was anxious, the way I would respond to that is, you have a sparrow's going to die. <laughs> well, you seen die. the cats murk them on the street? Every day they got to wake up and find food and make sure that a cat doesn't eat them or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... Or a bigger bird. Or a bigger bird. There's yeah. always a bigger bird. What is it that I was... Uh, is it Albion? Is that a bird? That sounds know, close to one, Albinos. if not one. Yeah. yeah uh, Albatross? No, 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 no. It's, but... <laughs> I think it's in England, and they eat sparrows. I was just watching this section. Because oh. <laughs> it's like, I, who knows why, I, you know, what you watch half the time. But I was like, oh, there's a video on uh, birds eating birds. Okay, I'm going to watch this. This is interesting. And it was like, they're eating sparrows. Do you, do you know what a shrike is? I think there was another one. I think I've seen shrikes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Do you guys know what a shrike I've is? I've heard of a shrike. A shrike is a bird that will take yep. other birds and mice, and it will, like... Like fly up with them and then jam them into a thorn bush. Yeah. Oh. So they die and then like start to pick at them. And it's like hmm. well <laughs> And they attract mates that way too. Yeah. If you have like a big death tree. So have I just been doing then, it wrong this whole yeah. time? Yeah. Yeah. I gotta do is impale you your enemies. <laughs> um so I'm Eric, I'm Dracula. just I'm just glad to know that Eric's smarter than Jesus, and he sees right through his no, sparrow analogy. I, I, but that's just how I would respond. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, like, yeah, if I was anxious, that's how I would think. Okay, and then you die. Then and then what die. happens? Exactly. The big, that's, the, that's the more important thing. Mm-hmm. You better get that one right. Well, yeah, and it's like if you're his, then what's your only hope in life and death? Right. What is it? <laughs> well, I know the Sunday school answer. Jesus. Mm. Well, I mean, what's the it's the Heidelberg Catechism? Question one. Yes, I know. But it's like... Of course you need Well, we all know that if you've been to uh, church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're taught that. But I think when... with So, like, you know, obviously Jesus says what he says, but what is helpful is when he backs it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I think that that's... By rising from the dead. <laughs> I was yes. thinking more along the lines of what he is meaning when he says that. Because he's not mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to protect to you To solve your problems, yeah. He's saying, I love you and I care for you. Yeah. Which I think is yeah. such more profound language of, God cares about little birds. Wouldn't he care about you a lot more? And he yeah. does. And like worrying, you yeah. can't turn mm. one of your hairs from black to white. Yeah. I mean, you If you worry can, enough. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you, you can't, can't turn it back. You can't pick which one, yeah. you know. Can't turn it uh, back. <laughs> <laughs> you can't add an extra hour to the day. You can, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You can add. You can add. Well, you can, right? With daylight, daylight savings. Time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's subtracted. Just exist. You can't make it twenty fifth hour. Uh, that's true. But you can make a day appear. Appear like a like a fellow. An extra appear? day. <laughs> oh, an extra day appear in a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. With a leap year. Well, but do you technically, do that, or the... are you counting what's happening? Right. Technically, it's really, the we're same just making things days. difficult for ourselves. That's what I think is happening. Mm. But, so, but anyways, back to the well. Um, reason oh, I, get, I say, oh sorry. Oh sorry, I was gonna say I get what you're saying. It's it's what is it? The you're you're. It's tough. It's good. It's it's easy to know that it's tough to walk it. What is it? Walk it the 18 inches from brain to heart. Yeah, that's the toughest road. Basically, there's a, there's a, a theologian talked about that. That's one of the toughest roads to walk. The 18 inches from your brain to your heart to knowing it to I'm. Internalizing and I'm, and I'm, and I'm internalizing really and I'm relaxed. Yeah. I think it's something wrong, wrong yeah. with that. But, it's not. but that's that, the whole nine yards right here. And that's what the Puritans talk about a lot too. They're like, get into the we want to get to the heart, but we're going to get the head. Because <clears throat> they're yeah. always aiming at affections. 
Well, so, uh, the affections. The yeah. reason I was I, I was, prefer that phrase. The affections. Because your heart Religious don't do affections. nothing. Mm. The reason I was bringing that up is because uh, I feel like, um, you know, if you're talking to someone who's depressed or, or anxious or mm-hmm. not, like words aren't necessarily going to mean as much, mm-hmm. especially you know when this is going mm-hmm. crazy. So, it's so you're saying like, if I just scream "stop it," you won't be better. Hey, just yeah. stop being depressed. Who was? I think that was. Have you tried not, not being, being depressed? depressed? <laughs> there was that one guy. I think he's been on Matt TV or whatever. But mm. he was he was like a therapist, and they would be like, "So what's 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 your problem?" He was like very calm and relaxed and like uh, oh, soft spoken. Oh, I think I remember this bit. And they yeah. would tell him his problem, and he's like, "Okay, so stop it." And you're like what? Oh, it's like yeah, just just stop it. I, I, I like that gif of. Um, uh michael jordan i think where it's like stop it get some help oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love i love the language of the gift or the meme it's just so hilarious yeah. but yeah obviously you can't just tell someone mm-hmm. to stop it and so it's like it's it's um good in a way to show an example of love and, and mercy or or like you're safe mm-hmm. you know um i think that's very important for people who are dealing with depression and, and anxiety and all that stuff just to mm. actually see it mm-hmm. there's got to be something that triggers like you were saying like a smile um a sense of comfort mm-hmm. mm. but also like why in the world do we get depressed you know mm. like emotions but just also like oh i saw someone die mm. i'm it's trauma whereas you know like a lion if they could speak like, if we were talking to a lion, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I saw someone die and I just can't. And it was like, mm-hmm. every day. That's my <laughs> life, every day. I'm usually <laughs> the killer. Yeah. Uh, mm. I just had to fight off another lion mm. so that I can keep, you know, with these lionesses who <laughs> they don't really like me. But... Well, I, I like, um, so I guess two kind of references here. One, um, Jordan Peterson, he says, like, that's not the mystery like the mystery is not why are people depressed or he'll say like the mystery isn't why do people do cocaine the Mm. mystery is why aren't we all doing cocaine all day every day like why do we work jobs and do other things this was jordan peterson not pablo escobar correct (laughs) okay yeah but um but i think i think from a gospel um from a gospel lens it's like the the argument isn't why why do why are people depressed the question the mystery is like why does anyone have hope like if if you look around and you see the cursed world that we mm. live in and and we live in the best version of that world that anyone has ever lived in yep. you know like better than kings from 300 years ago oh, better yeah. than better than anyone like you know people in most other countries or whatever like we have such a charmed life but even still like you look around and and death is your constant companion it's always taking your friends and your family members from you and like you know you get sick and you get injured and and like you know people reject you people dislike you people say you know hurtful things about you and it's like why is anyone not Mm -hmm. just depressed Mm -hmm. and i think you know there's there's the christian answer um which i would say is the right answer um but yeah i so to me it's like that meme or i guess it's not a meme just so much as it's like a a thing you see written is like you know why are you depressed and it's like gestures broadly at everything you know it's mm. like well mm-hmm. kind of look around you know mm. um so but then the question would become like okay why 
why do some people have a harder time struggling with this than other people? You know, like some people with, with gambling. Like to me, it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense why gambling would be addictive. Because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, maybe if I thought I was good at, you know, poker, then I might try to play at a casino or whatever. But then I'd lose money and I'd be like, well, that's what I get. And then I just leave, right? But there are people that they can't mm-hmm. do that. They can't just leave. They have to be like... No, I like I have to get that money back, and so I'm going to just make escalating uh, bets, mm-hmm. and like that's something that their personality, mm-hmm. their temperament, their brain makeup um, makes a lot harder for them. So, what are things? I guess I guess a good starting point is what are some of those triggers? Um, what are some of the things that would trigger like a, a depressive. depressive episode? Or like, like you had referred to it, Sam, as like a spiral, like, you know, Mm -hmm. you start to spiral. uh, I don't know if you said inward or downward or whatever it is, but it's like, are there specific things that, that trigger that? I don't know. You mean like generally or specifically to us? Either. Well, because what I would say is I think all depression is caused by some, some sort of trauma and, uh, like Freud, (laughs) but there's another part to it that we haven't really talked about, which is you know the idea of a chemical imbalance causing depression i don't know if i agree with that first sentence but i'm i am interested oh, in first hearing you. i thought you were going to disagree with the second well, one. well what was the second one i wasn't paying attention because i was deciding <laughs> whether i i was, I was trying to re- okay, figure yeah, out okay, if okay, i okay. agreed or disagreed no i was it. saying that there's another part of it that we haven't even talked about another i guess it could be another type of depression which is a chemical imbalance yeah like neuro neurochemistry yeah that, i that's um i feel like that's a separate issue and part of me wants to say like you are chemicals and that is the house that god has chosen to put your consciousness in is chemicals and um like i get that some people they have like they have different neurotransmitters that might not attach to dopamine and so it you know has this effect of not being able to get that good drug you know or that good chemical attached to the brain but it's like you are chemicals and um like you're I don't think you can divorce any of that from the language of spirit or consciousness or uh, spiritual health, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, That's something that more and more I've started, like as I've mused on it, is I think we're really quick to separate mm-hmm. it in yeah. like, like medical science of well, there's a chemical imbalance and so th- mm-hmm. th- this is the explanation for it instead of asking, well, what makes those chemicals trigger? And what's missing that's not causing the trigger, or what's what are how are those chemicals received, and why are they not receiving? Um, Ooh, uh, Sam Harris asks a really good question. He goes, "Okay, imagine that you had a pill that could end grief in a person. Okay, um, and there's a woman and she's lost her child, and like two years later, she's still just so overly distraught with grief and everything. Would you give her that pill after three years?" And a lot of people would say, yeah, you know, she needs to get on. Okay, would you give her that pill after six months? Or would you give it to her the very next day? Like, would you, you know, mm-hmm. if no. you had the power to just, okay, would you give it to her after three years? Maybe. And then it's like. Wait, why are you saying no? Maybe. And he, you know, Sam Harris is coming at it as an atheist saying like, he really struggles with it because he's like, I don't think I would give it to the woman after, after one day, but I don't know why I wouldn't. Like, why not cure her problem? I, well, that's what I'm. That's actually what I'm wondering. Yeah. I would say no to immediately after. Maybe yes if she's still dealing with it to that degree, that much farther on, because I think dealing with grief 
yeah is part of life exactly mm. it's like what i said about post-traumatic stress disorder yeah it's like you don't have a disorder can i you're appropriately responding mm. to trauma so in his uh this summary okay in his analogy is that does the pill wipe your memory is this um, the matrix I, no no so it's just like you then, remember it, but you're like, oh, that's a thing that happened just like, you know, this morning I had a bowl it, of cereal. Basically, if I'm getting this right, it doesn't cause the chemical reaction. It usually causes the Yeah, it neutralizes for, the, yeah. the emotional effect. Forever? Yep. With for that, that incident. With that particular yeah. thing. Because I would say that if that's the case, then it's not going to wipe the memory, then absolutely not. Because with the way the medication works, when you stop going on that medication, the problem is worse. No, you give it started. to him once and it's just done. It's a one and It's a done. hypothetical. Yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I see. I would say yes, immediately oh. after. Wow. Yes, because I don't agree with your statement that that's a part of life. It's a part of this reality, but it's not a permanent part of our existence. And so oh, I, why not if we could? I also don't understand why you wouldn't do that, being a post-millennial that you are. <laughs> Ooh, he's sense. got you there. It's true. No. I don't... Okay. I mean, elaborate, like... Well, because you think that everything's getting better. If, if this actually makes life better, like, isn't it a gift of God, like just modern medication? I, I don't think, I don't think that the definition of life equaling better is just fewer people being sad. It's like, um, kind of like you've heard me gripe about the fact that there's no sad endings in movies or, or whatever anymore. Like, That's okay. So spoiler alert for, if you haven't seen Cruella, and if you care about it, nope. I mean, like Nicole wanted to watch it last night, and it's like, okay, I have no idea why she thought this, but there's a thing. It's like a prequel to Cruella Deville's life, and then it's like, oh, she died, and Nicole's like, oh well, Travis, there's your sad ending, and I'm like, babe, this is a Disney movie, and also there's a movie called 101 Dalmatians that takes place <laughs> in the future where she's alive. So Wait. do you think that she's dead? Wait, Cruella died at the end? No, 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 no. It's like, no. It's a fake it, out. It's, it's a fake out, yeah. and then later in the movie you find out it was a fake out. Blah, oh. blah, blah. Yeah. So um, I, I, I don't think that it's wise for us to only make happy, chipper endings to movies. It's like we need to be taught how to wrestle with grief. If grief is a thing, yes. Because... You don't believe it's a thing? I've, with this pill, it wouldn't be. So it, it would be unnecessary. But because so, it almost seems like you guys are saying like grief is necessary, which I would say grief is not necessary. No, no, I would not say it's necessary. I would say it's part of the human condition that God has placed us in now. Right. I would say it's about... necessary because you have you can't you can't take away you can't take away the horse and expect the cart to move. I, well, so I, until, what, what about, until death is gone, you need grief. What about, like, you killed a man, and you can take this pill to not feel bad about it anymore? See, they're all talking about death. <laughs> well, because, but now it's sin. Death. Now right. it's you've committed a sin. Yeah, I would say, uh, what does it matter if the person feels bad about it or not? Wow, well, because, because Are you like a... Have you been diagnosed with sociopathy? No, it's... it. it, it may, what I'm saying is that if the person is, is grieving over it, right, it, it doesn't change the fact that someone's dead, right? So you, what you want to say is like, oh, well, we need to wrestle with grief. Yeah, because grief is part of our reality. In order to survive, so to speak, you need to understand how to deal with it or else things are just going to get worse. But if there is a pill mm -hmm. that will pretty much... Uh, dissipate any type of grief in our reality then it no longer needs to be dealt with and well, and well and uh, to, to death right you, you we say like you know there's death still going on yes 
Um, this is the problem with hypotheticals because there's so much attached yeah. to it. We've mm -hmm. isolated one thing. Mm -hmm. But if there was medication that helped us deal with death again, <laughs> this type of way, it's like, uh, okay, so we're not sad that people die. People are still going to die. Mm. It still doesn't change things. Um, in, in, in Have you ever read Brave sense. New World? No, I haven't. Have either of you guys read it? No. It's really good. It's it's the better 1984. Mm -hmm. And there is a drug called Soma that you can take to basically just like, you know, go on a vacation basically. Like, you nice. know, neutralize yeah. sad feelings and like just knock out for a weekend and is, I mean, this there's is no side effects. A, a, a fascinating thought to think about, you know, what if there was no more depression? Well, like this makes me think of the movie Equilibrium where they just got rid of emotion. Which was heavily influenced by that. Yeah. 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 Well, um, like, yeah, I don't want to get rid of emotion, but just like a particular thing, which is depression. If there was no more grief and depression. Right. Your, uh, your child dies, but you're not really um, emotional about it. But if it if it came to sin, like the second scenario, sin, and okay. you were to take that pill right. whenever that was to happen, wouldn't you be more liable to do it again? Mm, if by you had not, access to that pill. Yeah, by not dealing with the, with any kind of bad feeling about the situation uh i don't know that you would be necessarily more liable i mean again so you're taking the emotive or the emotion out of it right yeah um and it's like well i mean this is part of the question here our emotions tied to our logic right so is it hmm. could the man not process that what he did was wrong without the emotion there if hmm. we're gonna say he can't like the emotion is like that thump that thump that really hits you you know, to the mm. logic, like it, 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 the logic is like just, you know, cerebral, but like the emotion slaps you in the face with the reality of it. If we're going to go down that route, then, then I would say, yeah, you don't want a pill for mm. that because it, it goes, it's, mm. it's attached to more than just mm -hmm. the emotion. Mm -hmm. But if it's not, and it's like, you can, the guy can still know what he did was wrong. Then mm. I would say, well then, yeah, what we're just getting rid of emotion. Mm -hmm. I, don't know, I I think there's a time to rejoice and there's a time to there's a time that it's appropriate. Like mourning is the thing that's most appropriate. Mm -hmm. so. I like I don't disagree with any of that, and I don't think this is actually possible. But if there was technology, whether it's a pill or mm -hmm. you attach a cord to the back of your head mm -hmm. or something, I don't know. Sci-fi. This is uh, the Matrix. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that can just somehow take away those things, then. And let's just say it it it, it uh, would take a, take away the the emotions that are harmful to self or others. So let's say there's a technology now that takes away like depression and grief, but also envy and jealousy and you know or sadistic thoughts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So then it would also counter the whole murdering thing. What what would we think then? As Christians, because yes, mm -hmm. I know what you quoted from was Ecclesiastes. I think Ecclesiastes is like your survival guide to this mm -hmm. life. But if mm -hmm. life now suddenly changes and it's not like that anymore, then it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I don't like, think this is possible, but... I see what you're saying. Ooh. You're saying like, like we invented cars and we don't have to walk. We could still walk, but we chose to invent something and use that and move yeah. forward. So, I yeah. mean, I, I really don't want to go too much further with this analogy, but I just yeah. thought like, okay, what if you could take a pill that would neutralize joy mm -hmm. and it's like look i know that like you get um joy out of 
you know, getting good grades on your report card or like getting smiled at by a pretty woman or like whatever it is. But that's actually getting in your way, in the way of like logically um, processing what's going on. And so we're going to neutralize your joy so that you can actually be better at um, dealing with those sorts of things. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't want to, um, I wouldn't want to do either pill just because I think that grief helps us to hate the things that God hates more, even if they are mere tragedies and not necessarily sins. And joy causes us to pursue more wholeheartedly the things that, um, you know, delight the heart of God. But anyway, we don't have to go too much further with it. Well, but I think it is kind of helpful for the conversation because uh, you, you mentioned hate. When you were saying hate, did you mean something emotional? The things that God hates, you're saying. Yeah, or... yeah, like you hate the things that God is. That's something that's emotional. When you when you say that, like there needs to be an emotional response, or is it just again like a cerebral thing? Mm, they they foster in us a distaste for the things that yeah. God hates. Right. So I don't know if cerebral or emotional would be the. Um, well, I I, I right think word. it's both. Mm. I think it's very hard to split those two up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your your emotions and your logic all take place inside the same mm-hmm. skull. So yeah. emotional health really is mental health. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. so this is... And a, there's a lot of, like, uh, thinking and brain exercises that can help with controlling emotions as well. So I think that we don't want to write them off as they're two separate things right so that our thoughts can't control our emotions. i want to get to that next um about like fostering emotional health and what are things that are um good but i also want to deal with the thing that we had asked before but like i don't think we ever really answered and if nobody wants to answer we can just skip it but like are there things that specifically trigger depressive episodes yeah for me, there's very specific things, yeah. But if you don't I, want to talk about them, you don't have to. Or like, you know, if you want, if you just want to speak generally, you can. But why well, don't whatever you guys want to? General is there for for yeah just depression yeah. as a whole? Yeah, I mean, so for me, if I was the answer, I think that this would work for everybody. Uh, failure, mm. you know? You yeah. Say failure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. and I'm not like at a specific define... task. No, I'm not trying to define it. It's just if you feel like a sense of failure, a a sense of failure like that can trigger Mm -hmm. depression, you know, especially how large of a failure. Like, Mm. I don't know. If, uh, let's say, boy, this is a terrible one, but let's say you're a pilot and (laughs) and things kind of go wrong. Kind of. Well, let's say there's a malfunctioning of Mm. the landing gear and you try to do Mm. as best as your training allows you to land that flight and you you do like it's it's not as not everybody dies or whatever but still there's damage to the plane and some people do die mm. you could feel like i failed like i was mm. supposed to bring everybody home mm-hmm. uh safely you know what i mean mm-hmm. something like that or something like i i got a f mm. and my my parents have taught me and and now it's ingrained in my mind to be demanding always those perfect scores and if i have an f then my life is over and some people have really taken that seriously mm-hmm. i think it all sums up into missing is what triggers depression mm. there's something that's missing so mm. a loved one dies and they're no longer with you there's mm. like you were all the examples you're talking about is like you were you wanted to have this achievement and it 
it's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You wanted to be better and you weren't. You've talked about in your example, wanting these students to have something mm-hmm. that they're not having. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with depression is that we're lacking something that we want to have or we're, we're, there's something that's not in us that we want or we feel like we're not good enough so we're missing something or we're incomplete. I feel like that, a lot of that encompasses yeah, I think that's a generally. great summary to say something's missing. Mm-hmm. A God-shaped hole. Yeah. I mean, but... I no, mean, I'm, I'm oversimplifying. That's, okay. yeah. Okay. But would you agree, Sam? No, yeah, that makes sense. I agree with that, yeah. Um, I would say something that's helped me personally when it comes to having very negative thoughts about myself because my depression does mostly at least if not completely extend from um, a lack of uh, proper thought about myself Um, I do the the thing that's weird with it for me is that I feel like the same thought the same pattern of thought that brings about at least part of a solution for my issue with the way I think about myself is also the negative one because the whole thing that if you're going to just generalize what I dealt with for years is um, uh, um, low self-esteem, mm. a, a lack of, of a, um, a high uh, looking at myself mm-hmm. with high value kind mm. of thing. But then if I look at what scripture teaches and it's something that's helped me, but I also feel like it's almost saying the same thing, is that on my own, I really have no value, at least not anything good, because all good is from is from the Lord, right? Mm. And so it's like, <clears throat> my worth, my value, my everything good comes from Christ, comes from being His, it comes from His holiness, His righteousness that's now, mm. you know, bestowed upon me. And it's like, that's for everyone across the board. We all start at that lowly level mm-hmm. where, where we're all on the same level. It's only through Christ that we're anything more than that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that that has helped me having that thought. But it's almost the same thing, just looking at it from a from a kind of a different angle that I am lowly, but I do have worth because of Christ, <laughs> which he is the only one who can really give me any kind of worth mm-hmm. above that lowly, you know, status mm-hmm. that I've given myself because he is the greatest of all things. He's the one <clears> who's <throat> created all things. So nothing else could give me more value than him, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just a weird kind of, I guess you call it a dichotomy where it's like, it, it's almost the same, but also mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has helped to think of it, you know, to change my perspective from, yes, I am lowly, but this is why and this is how I have worth. Mm. That has definitely helped me. Yeah, and that's such a healthier perspective as far as like, you know, if someone says, oh, I just feel like I'm not good enough. It's like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, you're Is not. that like God is enough. He fills up our inadequacies and he like he gives himself to us and he loves us and he cares for us. And it's like if that was contingent on you being good enough, mm-hmm. that would wreck your life. Yeah. You know, that would that would totally, um, you know, just it would it would make you dysfunctional or non-functional. And that goes back around to what we talked about towards the beginning with like uh, like like your kids or or um, like just anyone else in general that you come across that you 
want to see saved or want to see in a better mm-hmm. spot in their life. It's like, ultimately, that's not up to you to have that change happen, you know, and that takes a huge burden off of you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so just thinking rightly, I think, is the first step toward health, you know, just kind of getting your mindset straight on on those sorts of things. But then, obviously, that's not it. You yeah. know, it, it, like, you can have a right perspective. I think Spurgeon's theology was pretty good and you know sam i think your theology is good and it's like probably spurgeon's was better like i I said pretty good with with spurgeon and i said good for you but uh i don't know maybe yours is better um maybe it's the the assemblies of god that are right or the eastern (laughs) orthodox catholics um anyway just naming it (laughs) (laughs) no uh it's because we've specifically brought them up before but um so, okay, you have the right mindset, you ha- you're a Calvinist, you know, you have your theology <laughs> straight, um, and you acknowledge that it's God um, who's, you know, at work uh, in you both to will and to perform uh, the things that bring him good pleasure. So, now what? In regards to the depression? You, you still feel a malaise, a melancholy, a, a gloom, a whatever word you would want to insert there, like what are the things, like what are some steps that you can be taking to address it? Not like, oh, do, if you, if you're doing these five things, then it won't matter. Like it'll, it'll stop being an issue, but like, what are things that you can do to mitigate it? I guess. Go to the doctor. Yeah. Check on, check on, not, I'm not talking about like go to a psychologist. I mean like go to the doctor, like Mm. check on how your diet's doing, Mm. how your, um, Weight Cardio, and doing cardiovascular, cardiovascular yeah. cholesterol, check your sleep habits. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, all of these things, our bodies and minds are intertwined. Mm. And I think we go down a, a dangerous path when we start to think that those things can be separated. Mm-hmm. Um, when we start to think that just taking a pill can fix our brains, or we think that just fixing our thought patterns will fix our bodies. Mm. Like, the, there's uh, kind of a both and. Um, and so I think that's something, there's something, I, I can't, there was a, a podcast I was listening to and they brought up um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a medical doctor before he was a pastor. Mm. So he had both of those um, theology and medical practice behind mm. him. And when he was in counseling, he would do pastoral counseling and talk about like, what's your heart issue? Are you dealing with sin? Mm. But the first thing he would ask when he sits down with you is how much sleep do you get? Are mm. you eating a good diet? Um, mm. Do you exercise at all? Mm. Um, because he realized that we're not just floating disembodied spirits. Mm, yeah. We have a body and those, and those things are not separate. They interconnect with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, when I was dealing with anxiety, there was of course the, the pieces of, I need to meditate on, um, like the scriptures that you talked about, mm. of that God cares and we don't need to worry and all of these things, but also the, some of the things that really helped me, especially early on is breathing exercises mm. going on walks because you get all your anxiety pents up all this energy and you're just shaking mm. and you get that out getting a good diet getting good sleep because mm. in sleep our mind processes our emotions and so the let the fewer amount of sleep we have the less we're able to control those big emotional outbursts um so i'm always like kind of surprised when they're older folks who are like oh just get four hours of sleep it's totally totally great <laughs> 
It's like, well, maybe that's why you have angry outbursts all the time and you yell mm. a lot and you don't even realize you're yelling. Well, and that's a huge uh, correlator, correlating factor to like degenerative brain diseases in your old age, like yeah. Alzheimer's. And you have people like, um, like I, I think it was Reagan that would Reagan brag about and, uh, um, Thatcher. Thatcher. Yeah, they would brag about getting like four or five hours of sleep. And then Reagan went, I mean... I think both of them died of... Uh, yeah, of, of, of Alzheimer's, dementia. but but I mean, Reagan, I think, went even faster than she did. And it's like, we do, as as a culture, we do not get enough sleep. Like, you know, we're, we're approaching the shortest days of the year here, and what what's there, like, I don't know, 10 hours of sunlight and 14 hours of darkness at the, at the mm-hmm. um, zenith, um, at the solstice, but, like, we... On average, we get like what six and a half hours of sleep. There, there was a professor that that we had in college that uh, said she knew a doctor that purposefully only got four hours of sleep a night because he said you're wasting your time if you're sleeping any longer. Oh yeah, man! Wow. <laughs> yeah, I would never want that doctor. Yeah, oh. it's like hand like yeah. hands shaking while they're going to do a surgery. Like you see him drinking a Red Bull before he starts. On... <laughs> <laughs> I will say. That it is worth saying because we are talking about depression. It goes the other way. So if mm, you are dealing yeah. with depression, cut limit the amount you're sleeping. Mm. Try not to sleep over ten hours a night. Like mm. really cut it to like eight nine hours because the longer you're sleeping, it can actually have yeah the yeah. adverse effects. If you're getting like if you're sleeping every night for twelve fourteen hours, it can make the depression worse um, because your body's not active. You're not getting enough sunlight. Um, all of those things are necessary. So that's one of those things where it's like, get enough sleep if you're not getting enough sleep, but also don't overindulge because that can, yeah, that can sloth sleep. is a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it can have negative impacts on gosh on your body. There, there. So the passage that we went over this last Sunday in um in church, it says all this stuff like about a fool, a fool, a fool. It's like ten, mm-hmm. eleven verses in a row of a fool, and then the twelfth verse says, um what is it it's something like um do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes there's more hope for a fool than there is for that man mm-hmm. and then oh, yeah, that's where yeah, the yeah. sermon ended mm-hmm. and i'm like man that that's great but i almost feel like you're and maybe they'll deal with it in this weekend's sermon but it's like okay the next four verses say the sluggard the sluggard the sluggard the sluggard and then the next verse says a sluggard is ten times wiser in his own eyes. Like it uses the same, oh, yeah. uh, you know, passage. He's ten times wiser in his own eyes than like what five men who can answer reasonably, like answer a question reasonably. I forget what the numbers are, mm-hmm. but anyway, it's like okay, that's the man who's wise in his own eyes. Is, is sometimes the sluggard, and I'll I'll say like I've seen Calvinism turn people into sluggards too, where it's mm. like you know if God wants this to happen, it'll happen, and therefore like. You know, mm. I'm I'm not gonna pursue it. You know, mm-hmm. right. if if God wants me to be holy, then that'll be His contribution. And meanwhile, I'm just gonna you know not really pursue holiness that much. Or you know, if God wants me to you know get good grades or have a wife or whatever it is, it's like you know, mm. it, like it'll fall in your lap. It's like no, God has ordained the ends as well as the means. Um, and that's something huge. I mean, I. I don't speak as much from experience when I talk about this, but like having a having a purpose that you feel like your your life is working toward mm. 
is large um, as far as like having a narrative that kind of you can you can unite your life around um, is is big for just making sense of your life mm-hmm. and yeah uh, something else to reiterate that you had brought up before um, dealing with you know because you had just brought up all the medical stuff which is very mm-hmm. uh, relevant but also you had mentioned before about um, isolation and mm. um, I think one thing that really um, allows depression to to fester and just really take hold in in the mind is isolation because mm. you're not getting any outside influence. Input, yeah, yeah, and and so um, that's always and that's that's the thing is that it's like counterintuitive to what the depression is telling you, which is really like you need to be alone, you need to have rest, mm. you need to mm. stay away from everyone, mm-hmm. but what you need to do is be around other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a, yeah, it's a weird thing, but that mm-hmm. is something to... Yeah, and, and people are are the thing. People is the thing. I don't know. Um, people are the thing that's going to get you, like you were saying, or, or you know, people will say, like, some people are so depressed it has this um, physical effect on them, like, they won't get themselves out of bed. But then a person is the one who says, like, you know, who who will come drag you out of bed or who will call you and be like, hey, you know, I'm I'm doing this thing. Like, I'm, I'm going to a movie by myself, but, like, I thought I'd call you. Do you want to come? And you go, no, I don't think. And it's like, well, screw you, man. Come. Like, just mm-hmm. come come hang out with me. I want to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, people are the thing that that do that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that interact with you, that, that give you kind of a reason and an impetus to get out of bed and to to go contribute to someone else's life as well and hmm. you know finding finding other people to serve you hmm. know finding other people to to pour into their lives and to be you know a part of their spiritual development and their development and their closeness in their walk with God and and you know especially as a Christian it's like you know that's that's what the church is all about so mm-hmm. I, I will say on most occasions where not even necessarily it was because I was feeling bad about myself or something, but maybe I was just tired and didn't feel like going out. Anytime where someone invited me to something, I was like, no, nah, I don't really want to go. And then I did go. Mm. I usually don't regret doing yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's a good thing to re- like Sometimes repeat to yourself too. Like, uh, that, that's a good thing to repeat to yourself. To oh, yeah. yourself Because yeah. like, like, we can easily forget. Yeah. Um, and reinforcing those things and like thought pattern through your mind um, is super helpful because it's a discipline. It really mm-hmm. like overcoming yeah. it yeah. is, is a discipline, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it and it takes some work. It takes time, and I think you know you want to be gentle with during that time, uh, and not be like, oh, I got to be over this right now, right now. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. I first was in this like lay counseling at a church that I was at for anxiety, I mean, it was very much like the this is sin. Let's get over this now. Come on, mm-hmm. come on, just mm-hmm. say it. Just say that it's sin because all all problems that manifest like this are all sin. Like that's kind of how they mm-hmm. came around it. And the approach was just get over it, and it takes a lot of time because you got to you got to kind of almost retrain your mind mm-hmm. and to remember these things and to see that it, there's a lot of layers to it and it can't just be dove into all at once. And I think that's why I like to, um, when, when people are talking about medication, I'm not like against um, medication, mm-hmm. especially for severe mental problems. But I think what you want to do is is understand what it's doing and what it's mm-hmm. not doing. Mm-hmm. And what it's doing is it's uh, turning off the receptors. It's not fixing the problem. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I'm a very, this is just me personally, I'm uh, 
not a big fan of painkillers mm-hmm. because it's not mm-hmm. fixing a problem. It's it's just turning off the signal. Yeah. So it's not yeah. saying it's not it's it's turning off the signal. It's <clears throat> telling you this part of your body's in pain. You might want to check that. Yeah, I think um, in general, like if you're just popping painkillers every day to function, that's not good. But like if you if you're recovering from a surgery, and it's like mm-hmm. they give you painkillers so that your shoulder doesn't keep you awake yeah. at night like you know well that's it well, that's, that's that that's good that you brought that because that's a different example yeah. where you you know why your body's hurting yeah versus like you have a headache let me throw a painkiller why do you have a headache is yeah. there there's an underlying issue so with it's the, and then they can water. become addictive yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and so for so with if mental you drink water you won't be depressed uh, <laughs> that's for the headache <laughs> so like with antidepressants and those kind of pills like what it's helpful to know because again i'm not saying like whether to do yeah. or not. Hmm? Nothing. Oh. Uh, you drank water. Oh. <laughs> but what's helpful What's helpful to know is that talk therapy is infinitely more helpful with mm. a lot of these mm-hmm. things. Because, again, it's shutting off the sensors. So what happens is the problem is it's, it's staying. It's yeah. ha- and that's why I was talking about with your example before about, well, is it wipe the memory? The problem's still there, and it's festering and getting worse because nothing's being done about it. What you're doing is turning off the pain receptor so you don't notice it. Mm. You're just turning off the... I liken it, liken it to, like, you're in your car and you're turning off the check engine light. It doesn't fix the engine. The problem's probably compounding. Mm. Um, and when you take... And so when you stop taking that medication, you go back worse than when you started the medication. Especially with anxiety medication, it's always the case. Your anxiety is now worse than it was mm. when mm-hmm. you started taking the medication. So you have to kind of Gosh, be real with yourself. Of, so unethical. Is that something like, that you want? The way that those things get prescribed and implemented, it's like, it's so unethical as far as like, I, I don't, I don't remember what the stats are, but like the number of people who go on antidepressants and then wind up more depressed than mm-hmm. they were when they started is like almost a hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. it's so, it's so ridiculously high that it's mm-hmm. like, you know, imagine if like you hired a, I don't know. Like a, like a, um, what are they called? Like an exterminator because mm-hmm. you had like an ant problem in your house and then you, you have to move out for three days and then you come back and there's like roaches in, in addition to the ants and like rats and termites <laughs> and all this stuff. And it's like, what, yeah. how, how are you still employed, man? <laughs> and it's like that with the, with the medical system. Yeah. It's like how, well, I mean, you know, the answer is lobbying and money well, at some level. Their goal is um, that you never stop taking them. Yeah, exactly. So the that's best, the, that's the, the best kind of pill is the one that you have to take for the rest of your life. And then it's you like die. Apple, basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> an apple a day. Hmm. Will not keep the doctor away. No. And what's what blows my mind is is talk therapy is effective and it doesn't take a long time. Hmm. Like if you go with someone who's a good trained psychologist, um, we're talking maybe like three months to maybe like two years depending on how acute, acute the problem is. It's not it's not going to take that long, all things considered, hmm. to work. That on this sounds. Problem. Like a long time when you say two years, and what are you saying? I'm talking about like two years. Uh, hang on, are you saying like an hour, twi- an hour session twice a week? That, that would depend on the case. I can't say like for sure. I just because that's like what four hundred hours of. <clears throat> I don't think like an hour session. I'm I'm not sure exactly on like how how long. Mm. I'm just saying I'm just saying like it's not going to be well. Uh, the the choice is a pill or mm. I have to do talk therapy. Yeah. For the next, like, 40 years. Yeah, and, and the thing with antidepressants, I think sometimes they can be good if there's a particularly severe mm-hmm. case and, like, it'll 
it'll flatten you out long enough that we can start to talk about some yeah. of these things. And then the idea is to wean you off of them. Um, but man, I don't even know how effective that is. I haven't, I haven't looked at the literature on that, mm -hmm. but going back to the talk therapy thing, like I think, I think that's another point in favor of community and friends, because like, it's one thing if you're paying a therapist, you know, however many hundreds of dollars, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a month to be the person that is willing to sit down with you for an hour. But if you just have a good friend that they will listen to you for, you know, an hour a week and mm -hmm. you, it's not two years, like your life is woven together like mm -hmm. I've, I've, I mean, Dan, I've only known you for a little over a year, but like, I mean, Sam, I've known you for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It, has it been yeah. that long? Because we were Gosh. 11 when we met. That is So I've known strange. you for 20 years <laughs> and Eric, I've known you for 30. <laughs> <laughs> Since uh, 30. But do you know the exact day or roughly? Uh, day? The day? No, but it would have been in yeah, sixth every grade. Yeah, year they celebrate the anniversary. Yeah, you need an yeah. anniversary. I mean, for twenty years. So, like, I it, when sixth wow, grade, sixth grade is when nine eleven happened. Right. So that's when you became friends with nine eleven. That it, sounds yeah, a little sus. Right we, <laughs> well, we became we, friends a few weeks before nine eleven, and then. <laughs> well, we we met outside the school mm -hmm. during pickup. Dismissal, would that yeah. have been one of the first days of school? Um, I, I don't know, because we, we were in different homeroom classes, and I don't know how much we interacted, you know, at the very beginning. What's that? Yeah, homeroom that's, when, that's yep. when homeroom started for me. It was yeah. Because oh. it was like middle school, kind of. We had just but, um, singular classes. Anyway, like, we yeah, we met them, and, but I don't know ex exactly when in the year it was. But, I mean, you know, we just celebrated the, tw celebrated, <laughs> we just memorialized the 20-year anniversary of uh 911. Yeah. So we've probably known each other for 20 years. Yeah. So I must be a trash friend <laughs> if like, well, you know, we've had we've had our seasons of kind of growing apart and growing back together and everything, but um, you know, if if you have a friend that is close enough that they really will let you talk about this with them and and will talk with you through it. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, that friend, they know your parents and they know your high school situation or you know, maybe your college situations or whatever it is. It's like you know, to me, that's so much more valuable. Okay, it is, it's valuable in a very different way than someone who's clinically trained or someone who's like, you know, trained in psychology and they've read, you know, Jung and, and Skinner and, you know, a bunch of people that I like or don't like. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a pastor is huge as well. It's like you have a pastor who probably won't charge you, you know, if, if you wanted like a, an hour long session once every two weeks, like it depends on how big your church is, but mm -hmm. there's definitely a pastor at your church that could carve, or an elder at least at your church that could carve out time for that. Um, well, depending on how many elders you have, and that's mm -hmm. a uh, other thing. Joel but yeah, I still my mind is being blown about twenty years. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I was thinking one of my my you know the clicks. Uh, I've been next year will be twenty years, and I'm like twenty years has passed. Since, since like and that was 10th grade yeah 20 years yeah. has passed well you know what's another um oh my gosh. another existential crisis is uh you this know is causing depression so this we're, is we're pregnant and when our daughter graduates i'll be 50 Jeez. <laughs> yeah wow. assuming western civilization doesn't fall you're yeah. allowed to have midlife crisis then crises yeah at yeah. 50 
At 50? Yeah. That's not midlife. It could be. If that's your midlife, then like, You're doing well. you yeah. got no reason to have the, a crisis. The crisis yeah. is, hey, I'm doing great. <laughs> the crisis is, I got to power through this for another 50 <laughs> oh, years. God. How do I increase oh, my chances? I would hope I... in the next 30 years, we'd find ways of keeping ourselves healthier and, and mm. living longer. But... If you could know the year of your death, no. would you choose to? No. Yeah. He says no. I'm, I'm 100% sure Eric would say yes. Dan, I'm not sure about. Would you know. say yes or no? So, okay. I don't know if this is how your mind works, but if I find out there's a way to know, then the whole time I'm going to be thinking, like, when is it? Yeah. <laughs> so I just might as well get it over with. Have you seen... Um, oh, go ahead. Well, wasn't there, like, a, a website or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where you are supposed to put in your name and it would tell you when you were going to die? Yeah, that was mm. early internet. Well, early for us, internet. No, uh, but something more recently where it came up, like, no. something like that came up. I don't yeah. know. It was like someone typed it in and it said like they were dying in like a few minutes or something. That was in the IT crowd. Oh, was it yeah. really? Is that what I'm yeah. thinking of? That's it's like it tells you oh, the that year that you're... Oh, that is what I'm thinking of. Sam, it's like see a doctor. Friday. <laughs> at three. It says Friday. That's but right. But it's at three, so you've got most of the day. Okay. Sam. Sam, <laughs> he's at you... a funeral uh, with I a told, grandfather I totally clock. I forgot what that was from. I knew I had seen that not too long ago. That's an older show, but that's something I saw recently. That, that is that, that is it all. That's that's what I was saying. That's earlier one? internet. Uh, IT crap. What that what that's from? That's true. That was yeah. like what 2007, 2008? I don't know. I didn't watch it until that sounds. I watched like it in two thousand when that stuff was yeah. going on. Yeah, because I remember there were websites where you could find out yeah. when you die. <laughs> oh, that's retarded. Yeah. yeah, that is might be burdensome, but I feel like it'd be freeing for all the other days. <laughs> for all the other <laughs> if you, years, if you knew you weren't gonna die. Yeah. Yeah, but if you find holy out, moly, I didn't think about that way. If I knew I wasn't going to die, I still feel like I'd be extra cautious all the yeah, time. Like, you don't want to risk say, it. Nothing's saying you can't be paralyzed for 30 years. Or that that prediction doesn't change. Oh my, so you want to hear something <laughs> depressing? There was a girl who was uh, paralyzed, and she trained herself to walk again, then got hit by a car, oh, and became no. paralyzed oh. again. Did she train herself to walk again? <laughs> I don't even know. But how do you convince Eesh. someone to do it again? You know um, what I mean? well, by you confining them right to the a first bed. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so you know this is possible. Yeah. Well, well, I also know how it feels to get hit by a car. So You, know, you do? That person would say yeah. that. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> it's like, well, you actually brought up. This is so terrible. Uh, well, you, um, what's her name? Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Mm. With, uh, you know, she's the weirdest name. Tada. No offense well, to. Well, Johnny Erickson was her name. Yeah. And then, and then she, she married, married a guy Japanese with the last guy, name. So Tata. Tada. Johnny Erickson Tata. Yeah, but... Oh, it's not ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you spell it? Johnny Erickson? Are you saying Johnny? Johnny, yeah, it's like J O J O N I. N I. Okay, I thought and it was then Johnny. Erickson. I think it's Joni Erickson Tata. Yeah, maybe it, that's how you say it. But that's one name. Yeah, Joni Erickson Tata. It's it's yeah. yeah it's three. So it's three names. Yeah, uh, it yeah. sounded like it's Joni Erickson, and then just Tata is the last name. No, no. no. Did you not hear she... him say her original name was Joni Erickson? Yeah, like her maiden name is Erickson. Yeah, as that's as not know, what yeah. you said. You said her name is Joni Erickson. Yeah, meaning that that was her original last. Anyway, you no. said it was her name. Anyway, name. sorry, sorry. I think okay. Anyway, <laughs> no, I, I was just bringing her up because she, she has an inspiring story. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but she she does talks for people who are dealing with. Hmm. pretty major depression like dealing with stuff like her you know because like she's obviously dealt with uh, uh, uh probably a lot of depression i know that she deals with constant pain mm -hmm. uh from from her injury as well because it was a diving accident mm -hmm. uh, that paralyzed her Jeez. Um, that's crazy yeah and i think the other thing that is 
that blows my mind, like, when you go, and I, I mean, uh, like, to, you read a little bit about, like, psychologists and, like, the way that they're counseling messages, and it is more complicated than laying it down, but ultimately, the goal is for you to hear yourself. So it really mm, is just yeah. you're paying them talk. to listen to you. Yeah. So the talk is not them talking, it's you talking. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that blows my mind. Is it's like, okay, so this is what, the, the, like, the attending method is super easy to pick up and really, really valuable, mm. even just in interpersonal skills. Mm -hmm. And you think yeah. it's going to annoy people, but no one seems to notice when you do it, uh, which is the method of active listening and then summarizing what they said so being like okay so what i think you said is this is that accurate is that right or so oh, oh so you're saying this and is that right and you're like all oh, people are and oh, i remember when we first learned it in class and everyone's like people are gonna see right through that and get annoyed like stop repeating everything i say and they go try it people want to be heard so badly that they'll be like yeah yeah you're listening to me instead of being like Stop repeating what I said. Like no one will notice unless you start. Yeah, I, th like, I think really emphasizing. I think it's a very good skill, and I think that I mean sometimes in therapy situations people do really just need an opportunity to talk. Mm -hmm. Like man, I, I was talking to a guy today, and he started opening up about stuff that had happened. I mean, I'm not a therapist or anything, but I was just talking to a guy, and he started opening up about things that had happened to him in his childhood, and like he just talked, 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 and I was happy to listen, but I would, I would you know, mm -hmm. give him the signals that I'm paying attention. And he was just totally happy with continuing on and just talking, talking, talking. Um, <laughs> but I think that it, uh, I mean, like I said, I was happy to listen and, you know, eventually it turned more into a conversation and it was really edifying. But um, at the same time, like, I think learning to ask the right questions mm -hmm. so that people really have to deal at a, at a healthy pace, they have to deal with things that are on more than just a surface level. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, if you let someone talk, it's like they'll they'll talk themselves in the same circle that they've talked themse talk themselves thing. through in their head hundreds of times previously. And so if you ask them, like, well, like, how do you know, like, just, you know, asking an honest question, how do you know that she was angry at you when she said that? Like, from the words, like, I mean, was there something in her tone? And then, mm -hmm. you know, you can make, you can make them kind of second guess their presuppositions mm -hmm. and put their you know just be be more self-aware you know mm -hmm. self uh mindful so yeah i um more recently i've tried to be much more objective in my thought when it comes to things especially like in the mind field that is politics and things mm -hmm. like that you know but also when it comes to like people um and and trying to look at their situation, um, you know, objectively, but then also from their perspective and really being able to sympathize and empathize, I think is something that's really important that I feel like is really overlooked a lot because like, you know, was mentioned earlier, sometimes people just say like, stop doing that thing mm. that's mm -hmm. causing you pain or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that doesn't help at all. Obviously they don't want to mm. be doing it if it's hurting them, you know? So it's like to really be able to sympathize at the very least um mm. is a good thing that i think is kind of overlooked mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I think it i think too easily some people just brush aside other people's problems because mm. it's not something they, they deal with yeah mm. and it, which is, it's so easy to do like you know if you like i said it's so hard for me to get into the head of someone who's addicted to gambling or who's addicted to alcohol or you know just it's it's so hard for me to think like really you know why I mean, you keep losing money, so just 
stop doing that. And it's like you don't get into their that obsessive compulsive mindset that they have about, you know, not wanting to feel like a loser or not wanting to, you know, have to be responsible for having worked all these hours and then thrown it away at a gambling table. Like, um, so what are, what are ways, what are more helpful ways to address someone? I mean, so attentive, what did you call it? Attending? Yeah. The attending method attending, is the active, attending method. Is a, or also it's like active listening. It's big. Well, uh, I, I think, you know, we should answer that, but I, what I want to say is, um, I don't know if you guys ever felt this way, but you know, I deal with my own depression. I just sometimes don't feel like I have room to deal with someone else's because, like, I just got out of this mood, mm. and now you're bringing me back in, and I, I just do not want to stay here in this doom and gloom. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, in this room right now, like, physically, that, you know, the light is yeah. not so bright. Yeah. If you stay in this room for long enough, mm. you're going to want to be where there's vibrant light. Yeah, it's also a very harsh white light, and it's not yeah. like a warm you know, glowy yeah. light. So, yeah. You know, it's just That's like a, you want to get to another mm -hmm. place when yeah. you're dealing with, you know, so I, I've had to deal with that where it's like, mm -hmm. I, I can totally sympathize with you and everything, but like, I, I, I can't. Even. <laughs> I have yeah. nothing to give you. That's you can't wait? Like, I can't, I can't like help. Oh, yeah. I don't have the energy right now because mm -hmm. I've been dealing with my own depression. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have any patience for this mood. I've been in this room long mm -hmm. enough. I need to go to something that's vibrant mm -hmm. for my own sake. And, like, I, I won't be patient listening to you. Mm -hmm. I won't be sympathetic because I'm starting to get irritated by the mood. I've been mm -hmm. too long in it. I think that's a good point that you bring up that I think we can feel guilty for, but we shouldn't, is if you're struggling with this and you've just recently, like, made, a, made pathways and you've gotten to that, that level of health, but this is something that you do struggle with, and it's part of your, like, natural bend. You're probably not the best person for them mm, to deal with. Mm. You should absolutely encourage them and encourage and say, like, you can do this. I did it. You can do this. There's nothing special about me mm. that made me able to conquer it. But for you being, like, the person to help them up, like, mm. uh, two people drowning aren't the best mm. uh, candidates to save each other. Right. And when you're dealing, like, someone's dealing with gambling addiction, you don't go mm. to someone who's, like, just barely getting rid of the craving for gambling and say hey help pick me up you mm. go to someone that isn't struggling because they're right. a little bit more objective especially for for in my experience of like having to deal with with uh difficulties or things like that someone who doesn't struggle with it can actually sometimes be a better person to go to the person that does struggle with it can be very very light on calling things out mm. or saying like hey you're doing really great when you might mm. not be because you know like well, what's the word? I'm trying to think. There was a friend phrased it the way it was really, really well said of like the most reliable voice with your addiction is not to go talk to another addict. Because mm -hmm. both of you are going to be pretty biased on like what sobriety looks like. Have yeah. any of you guys heard um, Doug Wilson's thing on the sin of empathy? No, I haven't. It's I've actually just recently been familiar with Doug Wilson. Um, he's that's surprising. He's very he's, he's very divisive. Um, but he he's he talks about how like. You know, sympathy is a pretty like is is a perfectly useful word, and we need to stick with you think using sympathy. But then people will say like, "Oh, sympathy is feeling with someone," and then empathy is like internalizing those feelings as though they're your own and really going through it with them. And it's like mm -hmm. that's what people will say. And then he's like, "Well, I I think that there are aspects to that that are really unhealthy." Like 
Um, one thing that's encouraged in empathic listening or like in, in, be, mm-hmm. in trying to be empathetic is like, oh, you want to identify with that person. You want to affirm what they're feeling like you want to um, like you never want to challenge them or call them out on, you know, things that they're doing wrong. And it's like you, you just want to kind of be in the in the gloom with them. And it's like, OK, I get that there's a, a usefulness to that, like in just sitting with someone and, you know, mourning with them, mm-hmm. let's say, over the loss of a loved one or, or just, you know, mm-hmm. being present with them physically as they, you know, process their general malaise that they're living in. But at some point, it's like you do have to be, um, I don't know if confrontational is the right, is the best word, but it's like you have to be willing to uh, challenge them, you know? And it's like if, if you don't, and like if, if no one challenges them on their, on their assumptions, like, well, then what's, what's expected to ever change? Mm. You know, it's like you got to be willing to have uncomfortable conversations with people and say like, okay, but there's, you know, a, a lot of this isn't your fault, but like, let's, let's try to take charge of the things that you can change and, and try to get you, you know, headed in a, in a right direction. Mm. And sometimes that's received well and sometimes that's not well like it's still your responsibility to Mm -hmm. talk to them you know i think that's something that was helpful about the attending method is there was an entire book on challenge Mm. on offering challenge but they couch it really really well which i think is something why i kind of recommend it for like especially pastors who are ready Mm. to lay down the exhorting Mm. card um they give they couch it with uh be really really careful about how much you're challenging Mm -hmm. and when you're challenging yeah so like they they wouldn't even recommend like give it a couple sessions before you lay down. Yeah. So like yeah. I'm like hypothetically like like Sam comes and wants to talk to me. It's not something I shouldn't. The first thing I shouldn't say is like, here's how you should improve like right away. Mm-hmm. I'm I should start listening and hearing and like we're talking about empathetic, mm-hmm. and I should start looking to see does Sam trust me? Mm-hmm. Does my word carry weight with him? Because mm-hmm. if I lay a challenge down to him and he has no trust or respect and there's no relationship built. Not only is it probably going to like be frustrating to him, it's going to do no good because he's mm. not going to fall on deaf ears. Yeah. yeah. So I need to build yeah. up a trust, which is not like it's not like you need to fake it, but like you show you care. That's why mm. empathetic listening, you start with that and then you can get yeah. to more challenges later on. So I think that's something that all of us can do with a good reminder is when scripture says to rebuke and exhort one another, it says with gentleness and out of love. Mm. Yeah. And that method actually is what's used in Japan. Mm. Um, at least the effective method mm-hmm. that I know of that's used with reaching people for, with the gospel in Japan mm. is, is that sort of method. Mm-hmm. Because, um, uh, I mean, the last I heard, and this was years ago, but mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same. Uh, but um, on average, it's, <clears throat> it takes 10 years for someone to come to know Christ mm-hmm. in Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of that is that um, Japanese tend to fake certain things with people that they're friendly with mm-hmm. because they're, hi- they're hiding their true self from mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times it takes years before they're comfortable enough to be real with you, you know, mm-hmm. and to accept what you're saying. Uh, and, um, you know, they might say they've accepted what you're saying, but that doesn't mean that they've actually taken it to heart. Mm. So, um, that's a lot wiser than I think the way we do things. I yeah. think the bearing your heart on your sleeve to someone immediately is, is not a wise idea. So I don't think you should wait like two years, like three, but I'm, I'm like just saying I can appreciate why they're doing what they're doing of I'm not going to be super vulnerable with you like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, see, okay, that whole idea, like, I think it makes sense contextually with when you're dealing with Japanese people who uh, put up a front, it sounds like. Yes, and so, uh, and so, like, it's, it's, uh, they go in knowing that it's going to be a long-term battle in a sense to re you know to, for them to get the real yes yeah yeah so you have to you have to befriend them you have to be there yeah. with them you know mm -hmm. possibly for a very long time mm. okay so um and i don't know if i'm exactly uh dealing with what you were what you, what you guys are talking about um or like what you were saying with bearing your heart but mm -hmm. it's like i don't know how much i buy like oh there needs to be i mean there obviously mm -hmm. for relationships there needs to be trust mm -hmm. that even goes between man and god mm -hmm. um but it's like and i don't know if it's just the way it's written but like when you see the accounts in the new testament it isn't much like oh let's be friends first and mm. and let me build trust this is like you know the word cuts to the quick mm -hmm. yeah and i mean I, I, I maybe we're just you know with with how societies are nowadays it's just different than it was then but it's like it's there is no marketplace to to be a herald in you know mm -hmm. I mean, go to twitter yeah i mean maybe twitter but even then uh it's no, not the best place to evangelize no so it's like i don't know maybe it's a different world but like I, I just don't see the the whole like trust me first and then mm -hmm. uh we'll get like here's the truth mm -hmm. and if you believe that you know, we're going to definitely have a relationship and you'll see why mm -hmm. then. But it's just like, I'm not saying it's wrong to do the trust me first, especially if you're a pastor, and you're, you're at church or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just like, man, uh, it's like, uh, well, I, I won't listen to you unless you've earned it kind of thing mentality that I guess mm -hmm. that people have. And it's like, uh, well, you know, if your life depended on, if we had a scenario where your life depended on you just met me and I'm like, look, I can get you out of this, mm. you know, like you fall into a tank with sharks and I'm a shark expert. Mm -hmm. Like, look, if you listen, I was thinking, of, like, I was thinking of a battle whisperer. tank, like with a, with a gun on the front of it, a tank with sharks. Mm -hmm. okay. Sharks are good. <laughs> yeah. Shark tank. That'd be hilarious. But, uh, sharks. Yeah. You know, just something ridiculous like that. Like, I, I'm an expert here, and uh, mm -hmm. I know we haven't met, but you're in dire straits, and I can help you out, you know, and this is what you're going to need to do. Mm -hmm. I think people would think about it differently. But if it's like, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, it's like, well, I don't even know you. Like, who are you? Mm -hmm. It's like, why does that matter as much mm -hmm. right now? As whether I have the cure yeah, for like, what ails you. If you just yeah. don't yeah. believe that there's a problem, mm -hmm. it won't matter if you know me. And mm -hmm. and part of me, like, <clears throat> stuff like this, I have mixed responses with because I get the utility in it. And <clears throat> but then at the same time, I think, like, um, you know, kind of what you were saying about, you know, you spend time and you listen right. to them. And it's like, if, if you have that time and you can invest that time, then that's great. Mm -hmm. But if all you have the time and the opportunity to do is speak the important truths that are going to make a difference then I, I think there's an onus on you to do that and part of me thinks like okay um it's not it's not exactly a fitting phrase but i heard a pastor say like what you win them with is what you win them to and um it's like if if you if you shoot straight with them from the start and you just go like look i'm 
I'm telling you what's in the word and you need to submit not to me but to the word and like if you if you come to me and you're able to point to something in my life my character that's that's out of alignment with the word I want you to shoot shoot straight with me and like I want you to confront me and I, I want us to kind of you know talk about it and I want to fix that and we need to move forward and it's like then <clears throat> what happens I and you know people in societies and everything are, are really complicated but if you're that type of pastor you wind up with a church full of people who are like that who are kind of no nonsense and like hey let's let's you know let's drive to the word mm -hmm. let's let's look to the word and let's apply it and let's see maybe I'm being a goofy goober here and like you know mm -hmm. just totally wasting time and and being um, overly sensitive or whatever and and like I, I need to get over myself I need to you know just um, mm -hmm. you know press into this direction or whatever it is and then on the other hand I see what has become of a lot of American churches where it's it's people who are like very arms crossed like if you're gonna tell me to steer my ship one degree to the left or the right you better spend two months vindicating your reasons before you expect me to turn the wheel at all mm -hmm. and it's like people are so um, haughty and um, what's the word just like I mean they're, um, they're guarded yeah and and you know it's a fine line between being yeah. guarded and just being stubborn yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah stubborn I think is the word that I that I was looking for mm -hmm. and then people who are and you know part of this also just comes with the territory of living in America it's like well if you do something that slightly offends me I drive past six churches to get here this morning yeah. and I'll just go to one of those and I think about that like with youth group. There are things where there are times where a parent will be like, you know, will say something that, you know, upset their kid or whatever. And, you know, I, I try to do some digging and to find out like, OK, what's you know, is there something else going on here or because what a lot of times the things that they bring to me are so small. And I'm like, is this is this really what you're upset about? And sometimes I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it unaddressed and I'm like. You know, if they want to, if they want to quit going to our youth group and go to another youth group over something this small, then I, man, this is going to sound bad and I probably shouldn't be recording this, but like part of me goes, I almost feel like that that's a purifying mechanism for the church. And like you turn your church into the people, into the church that has the people who are resilient and robust and can hear hard truths and respond to them. And then, you know, if you're Joel Osteen and you preach like Joel Osteen, then you fill your church with people who want to hear what Joel Osteen has to say, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not only him, mm -hmm. yeah. but... You know, I think there's a lot of different scenarios, because in my mind, exactly, yeah. what I'm talking about is when you're counseling someone who's come to you that says they have a problem they want to overcome, yeah. and they are believing. And they've come to and you, that, so like they've... Yeah, they, and so there, there is, is a level some of trust. trust. Yeah. But yeah, you, but still I think you, that's what I'm saying like with, with the challenge card. If mm -hmm. you're evangelizing, you want to come with the truth first. Like you, okay. Like you're not going to be like, oh, I've got a... I like I I'm not a huge proponent of the whole preach the gospel all the time and use words when necessary because yeah. the gospel yeah, no. preaching is via the word. Yeah. Um so in that case it's a little bit different. I do think you want to be mindful of and grow a relationship because a mm -hmm. lot of times you know they'll say well if you don't share the gospel with this person and they die tonight like we'll go to hell. Yeah. Well how often is that going to be the case? Usually yeah. you're going to get to know this person over over yeah. time. So use that to your advantage. Like yeah. curry favor, but don't like, don't hold your cards back. Don't act like the favor that you curry is ultimately yeah. going to be the thing. Don't like, look, it's the Lord yeah. that saves. And, like, don't hold your cards back in the sense of, you know, oh, I'm not going to tell... I'm going to actively try to make them think that I'm not a Christian until I find them. Like, haha, it was me all along. Like, right. be open about it, but then, you know, say, well, you know, this is what I believe, but you're not, not like, let me sit down and start saying really so, tough stuff. So what do you do if you're trying to talk to someone who's depressed 
and they shut you down. Like they just they, they're not going to listen to you. Um, are you trying to help them with the depression? Is that is that what's going on? Yeah, or just like with life in general, but you can say with the I depression think, specifically. I think you got to be patient because as we were talking about earlier, you know, with emotions and logic, it's all kind of tied together. And um, there's a hurt there. Mm. And I think that it's natural for us to then try to guard our mm. hurt. Because uh, even, you know, like, yeah, I, I deal with depression. It's like, I don't always want to talk about it because then I'm going to get back to the pain. Mm. And it's like... Uh, I've spent six days covering that up. Yeah. Like, it's, it's you know, like, now you're going to dig kinda, it up again. Mm -hmm. It just, yeah, it's, it's unpleasant. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say... If talking to them, we're talking about actions here, if talking to them isn't going to help, maybe just, just showing them. Um, I think there's a way to break through, you mm. know what I mean? Uh, it might just not be with, with counseling right away. It might just be with just being there. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, you know, this is a case by case because we, mm. we don't know what they're depressed about. Yeah. We don't know what their behaviors are. We, we have no idea, but just being depressed and I've, I've been depressed. I've, I've talked mm -hmm. to people who've been depressed. Um, it's a patience thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a long game. Mm -hmm. you gotta I mean, this is definitely not something that you could necessarily do with any and every person that you'd be trying to reach uh, in that way. But if you know ways that they appreciate love being shown to them, if you if you mm -hmm. can't reach them through words, then it might be through through just being there mm -hmm. and spending time with them, or if it's whatever else. If if they if you know that they are uh, feel loved, if if someone gives them something, like why not show that? It's like look, mm, you might not like want to listen. love languages. Yeah, I actually am going into that. Where it's, where it's like if if you if they're not going to listen to you in one one regard, one aspect then show love to them in another and maybe eventually they will open up. You know, I mean, there's only so much you can do mm. if they're going to shut themselves off and not let you speak to them mm. and like mm. speak into the problem. But I mean, <clears throat> at that point you can just, you know, just do your best to love them in the way that you know that they feel loved. That's mm -hmm. like, all you can do. Look at Job's friends and just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the things that come on my head is I would, if they're saying I'm shutting down, I want to talk about it. I would, first try to see if there was any uh gripe or nag or anything that i've done that i want to make sure that we're <clears throat> reconciled like i'm like i don't hope i there, there's not anything there if there's a good relationship and if they don't want to talk they don't want to talk like mm. like what sam was kind of saying i want to echo that and kind of expanded of mm. you can't help them mm. this is something that they're facing and they're gonna have to you can you can do things and call challenge that but you can't do the work for them mm. you can't it's something it's work that they have to do um, so in that sense, it's like, I hope that you're talking to somebody, but I would say like, uh, like what you guys are saying, like love them, keep saying, and then emphasize of, you know, I'm make sure that there's no mm. anger or frustration. Say like, I, anytime you want to talk, I'm here, you come find me and, and check up on them. And I would also definitely add something that is important. And I often forget myself is make them bigger than their problem. So don't all be like, I'm only going to talk to you when I'm, you know, like, let's say, you know, this, the Travis, you and I have this situation happen, like you were saying, like, and you shut down and talk about it. Now I don't want to be like, every time I see Travis, Travis, how's your depression going? Mm. Hey, how's your depression going? <laughs> like, you're only that depression and not yeah. something much more than that. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 
can be naturally melancholy just by nature. Not like depressed, but just kind of more melancholy. Mm. And so Eeyore was something that from a young age, like always was attached to me. <laughs> I thought I was like, I was like Eeyore. And my mom mm. would say this. And I thought this was like this profound in a way. Maybe it was just profound to me because of the way I kind of internalized it all. And it might mean nothing to you guys. But uh, the thing that, that well, we all loved about Eeyore is that in Winnie the Pooh, um, all of Eeyore's friends know that Eeyore struggles with being more melancholy and sad, but mm. none of them are trying to fix him. They see who he is and they mm. value who he is, and he, they see that he's more than just someone who's sad. And I think that's really, really, really profound in being like, you're not only your problem, and the way that I see you is not only your problem, mm. um, or whatever you've confided to me. Like, you're more, I see you as more than that, and I'm not like, oh, I gotta change you right now, or or we can't have be friends or we can't have this like that acceptance piece I think is huge and that's mm. part of what it is to be in community like mm. the church is a group of people who all say that they have um, horrible <clears throat> things wrong with them and they all accept each other mm. because Christ has accepted them dang <laughs> alright well we're gonna go ahead and uh, do a group hug here <laughs> So, for the next hour, we're going to talk about... D&D. Um, depression, depression and, and anxiety. Dang. <laughs> I really want to... Depression and dragons. <laughs> How dragons can help with depression. Just imagining, like, Smog waking up on the pot of gold. Going, I'm still so sad. <laughs> All of this gold. I do think dragons I'm still not satisfied. If there was a dragon, you wouldn't be depressed anymore. You'd probably be scared, or if it's like this nice magical dragon, then you'd probably be really happy. If your depression was a dragon, you're saying? No, no. <laughs> you're saying if you're a dragon? Or no. If, no, you had a. If you, there were dragons. Like oh, if dragon, there you are had a dragons. dragon named Depression. Yeah, now I kind of want to think about if my depression was a dragon. How, How would that you work? slay it? <laughs> the, the sword, sword of, of the, the spirit, spirit, which is the word of God. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is. Hey, read your Bible, maybe. Yeah. yeah, that might help. If anyone tells me they're depressed, I'll be like, bro, read your Bible. Read your Bible, maybe. <laughs> then you won't be depressed anymore. Nah, that's no. not true. <laughs> well, as per everything or, we've spent the last two hours saying, yeah, it's not Or, as true. per the 2,000 years of church history, come to the community of the body listening to the word being read on a Sunday morning. Dang. But don't research church history, because that's also depressing. <laughs> <laughs> No, you need a yeah. need it. You need a community, and mm -hmm. God is all about hope, mm -hmm. because He's life. Life has to deal with hope. Mm. Death life. is death is like depression is because of death and sin. Mm -hmm. That's why we have depression. But we're a community built on hope. So naturally, mm. you you want hope, go to a community, a Christian community, found in a Christian community building, that's usually a church. But sometimes mm -hmm. an auditorium or in a strip mall. Or community something. church. Hmm. What uh? What part of Kissimmee might I find such a community church in? Well, to be honest, a lot of places. But if you're Maybe like in Celebration Community Church, you can go to that Presbyterian church that's right off of Celebration Avenue, right? Yeah, you that's can. the one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Compres. If you want to, yeah, that's, uh... that's the cool thing about all this is all these churches are free to go to. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. Why wouldn't you go to church? That doesn't make sense. That's a great question. <laughs> There's a church in Celebration. I think it's like Body of Christ. Yeah. 
Would you, it's, maybe the they body should go of to Christ that one. <clears throat> broken for you. The Corpus Christi. Mm. You don't know what church I'm talking about. Yeah, the Catholic church. Oh, okay, dude. yeah. Well, I was wanting more of your reaction for me because you're usually. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't call them a church. I'd call them. <laughs> there we go. I mean, that's what you I know, was as long for. and unless they, uh, you know, give up on that whole Council of Trent thing, I don't know that I'd. I don't know why I'm friends with that guy. With what guy? Trent. Trent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Trent's a total. <laughs> it's all his fault. Yeah. Well, did we solve it? No, but we helped. Mm. Aww. Aww. <laughs> that's, a little, that's all I want. Until part two. <laughs> yeah, where we will replace Sam with David. That's true. David was very depressed that he couldn't be here tonight. <laughs> but he's uh, playing Dungeons and Depression with some friends. I want to see if he actually is playing. I hear nothing. He's, yeah, he, the guy left, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, have a nice...